Welcome to Lesson 16 in our Biblical Womanhood series. We have been looking at the passage in Titus 2, Titus 2, 1 through 5, and particularly the instruction that the older women are to give the younger women in loving their husbands, loving their children, being discreet and pure, and keepers at home and kind. And in our last session, we looked at the instruction for the older women to teach the younger women to be submissive or, or obedient to their own husbands. We learned that biblical submission has nothing to do with who is smarter, more powerful, or more of more value than the other. The issue of submission isn't about power or worth at all. It's simply about structure and roles. We drew some important truths directly from Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, noting that we are not told to submit to men in general, but rather to one man, to our own husbands. And we are to submit to them as unto the Lord. Now, that means that we're to follow the leadership of our husbands just as we do that of God, cheerfully, voluntarily, and wholeheartedly. Next, we consider that the biblical teaching that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. Our Christian marriages are to be living examples of Christ's relationship with his bride. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so we are to be subject to our husbands in everything. The only time a Christian wife is not required to submit to the authority of her husband is if he asks her to, to directly disobey the word of God. Only in that instance is a woman to act against her human authorities because we have a supreme authority who is above all others. Our first responsibility is to always obey God. I shared a few guidelines. When you find yourself in a situation where your husband's asking you to do something that is a violation of scripture, you want to make certain that it is a clear case of conscience, that the Lord has plainly required you to do or not do what your husband has asked you to do or asked you to refrain from doing. I encouraged you, if there is a matter that your husband has asked you something that he's asked you to do and you do not feel like it's biblical, it would be a violation of your conscience, then to search the scriptures and re-examine the matter. Pray and ask the Lord to clearly guide you. And if you're still convinced that you're right, then lovingly, kindly appeal to your husband. And if the decision is made that you cannot do what he has asked you to do, Continue to show him love and respect. I've been so blessed as I've watched a young woman that I know with four children who is so faithful to bring her children to church even though her husband doesn't come with her. She's faithful to come to the prayer meetings to see that her children are taught the scriptures. She teaches them the scriptures and prays with them. And her husband is not involved in this at all. And yet she loves him lavishly. She praises him. She encourages him. And I am praying and I'm believing that God is going to use the efforts of this dear sister and will bring her husband to Christ. Dr. MacArthur calls that evangelism submission. 
Well, I closed our time together by encouraging you to cast yourself on the Lord Jesus for grace and help to joyfully fill the role that he has created you to fill. Submission to authority, not just in the home, but also in the church, the in the workplace, and in society at large is so vitally important that I decided to share one more lesson on this topic. Last time, I was only able to cover the responsibility of submission and how to practically submit to our husbands. But today, I'd like to encourage you to consider the blessings that come from biblical submission. Submission lived out God's way in our marriages. So many women, even Christian women, don't like that word, submission, or anything remotely related to it. And I believe one reason that is true is because it has often been presented in an unbiblical way. I'm also of the opinion that countless women have no idea the tremendous blessings that accompany proper submission to God-ordained authority in our lives. Well, the first blessing I'd like for you to consider is that when we submit to our husbands or other authorities in our lives, God is glorified. The scripture is very clear on this matter. And when we walk in obedience to God's word, then he receives the glory he deserves. When we were studying in Genesis, we found that part of the curse on the woman after the fall would be that she would desire to rule over her husband. She was originally created in a subordinate role as a helper for the man. And the fall did not change the roles for the man and the woman. It just made them more difficult to carry out. Before sin entered the world, Eve was perfectly content in her position as a compliment and a helpmeet to her husband. But after her fall into sin, she was no longer satisfied with that responsibility. She then wanted to be the one in charge. And ladies, if we're honest, we have to admit that every one of us has a desire to be in control. I can see this so clearly when I keep my grandchildren or I watch the children in the nursery at church. The little girls can be really bossy with the little boys. They like to tell them what to do. And yes, we ladies like to be in charge and it begins early. Now it's important for us to distinguish between an authority's position under God and their personality. We must reverence their position even if we are aware of personality and character deficiencies. And you know, all of us who have been married for more than just a few weeks are very aware of our mate's weaknesses and deficiencies. We may not be particularly fond of the president of our country or others in positions of leadership especially those who have policies that don't reflect a Christian worldview. But as a citizen of the United States, we are to honor them. We are to pray for them, not because they've earned it, but because of the position that they hold. And whether I like my governmental leaders or not, I am to submit to the laws of my country as long as they don't violate the higher laws of God's word. In the same way, we are to reverence and obey our husbands, not because they are wiser, older, or holier than we are, but rather because of the God-given position of authority they hold. A foot soldier may be taller, stronger, smarter, or more morally upright than his commanding officer, but he still must submit to his authority. 
A friend of mine said she grew up in a family with six other children, and she said their home was a democracy. When an important decision had to be made, their family would gather around the table and discuss the issue at hand. Then each child would have a vote. Her mother had a vote, and her father had nine votes. She said that was the way their democracy worked, and that's the way it should be. A wise man will listen to the counsel of his wife and his older children, especially if they are walking with the Lord. But ultimately, he is responsible to make the final decision. After all, he is the one who will give an account to God for the way he leads his family. All of us want our homes to be a place of love and joy and peace, but that only comes through obedience. When a woman refuses to obey her husband and usurps his authority, she is rebelling against God. Then sin reigns, and sin always brings heartache and confusion and trouble with it. But when a Christian man lovingly leads his family, and a Christian woman joyfully submits to his headship, there is peace and joy in the home, and God is glorified as he should be. A second blessing of submission is that as we submit to our husbands, we will grow in faith and godly character. The Lord uses every circumstance he brings into our lives to grow us, change us, and conform us more into the image of Christ. And one of those things he surely uses is obedience to our husbands. Sometimes we don't understand what they're doing. Sometimes we can't begin to comprehend what the Lord is doing through them, but we must simply choose to submit and obey by faith. And this is where we find out if we really believe in the sovereignty of God. Do we truly believe that he's working everything together for good to those who love him? And he's working all things for his glory. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6 is a very important passage of scripture on this subject. It says, likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. There it is again, not to every man, but to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won by, without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I used to wonder what in the world that last verse meant when it tells us that Sarah obeyed Abraham and we are her daughters if we follow her example without fear. Well, one day as I was reading in Genesis, I thought about these verses in 1 Peter. And suddenly I understood why Sarah would have been tempted to submit to her husband with fear. On two different occasions, Abraham asked Sarah to pose as his sister in order to save his own neck. Not once, but twice he allowed his wife to be taken away by heathen leaders. That would surely have been a reason to be terrified. Think of it. 
Both times Sarah was in an unfamiliar place. She was taken away by strange men. She had no way to defend herself. She had no cell phone to call for help and no way to escape. But she obeyed her husband in spite of his cowardice and the Lord protected her. The first time this happened, God afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues and he couldn't get Sarah out of his house fast enough and get her back to Abraham. In the second instance, God came to King Abimelech in a dream and told him that he was going to kill him for taking another man's wife. Well, Abimelech pled his innocence before the Lord and said he hadn't touched Sarah. And then God said something amazing to the king. In his dream, he said to him, I know you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God had protected Sarah. Her faith wasn't in Abraham. He had failed her before. Her trust was in the God of Abraham, and her God proved himself strong on her behalf and protected her. You see, dear sisters, faith is a vital part of biblical submission. And godly submission strengthens our faith as we see God work, as we trust him to work out his purposes in our lives and in the lives of others. Biblical submission also produces godly character such as patience and humility. A third blessing of submission is that it gives protection from destructive harm and temptation. The essence of true biblical submission is not getting under the domination of authority, but coming under the protection of authority. Nancy Wigglemouth was teaching a group of women one time many years ago, and she had to quickly get from one location to another in order to speak at a different church. Plans had been made for a man in the first church to fly her in his private plane to her next engagement. Now, Nancy was single at the time, and her employer, who also happened to be her pastor, had told her to never fly in an airplane with one engine. So she asked about the plane ahead of time, trying to make sure that the plane she would be transported in had two engines, and she was assured that it did. Well, after finishing her first speaking engagement as she was being taken to the airport, she asked again about the airplane, and once again, she was told that it was a twin-engine airplane. While she related, when she arrived at the airport, she discovered that the plane only had one engine. So she told the pilot, I'm very sorry, but other arrangements will have to be made. I cannot fly in a single-engine airplane. Well, the pilot said, I take very good care of my plane. There's no need for you to be afraid. It is perfectly safe. And Nancy replied, Oh, I'm not afraid to fly in your airplane, but I can't because my authority has asked me to never fly in a single-engine airplane. Well, becoming a little frustrated, the pilot asked, Well, what would you do if you were 10,000 feet up in the air in a twin-engine airplane and both engines went out? Being quick-witted like she is, Nancy answered, I could praise God all the way to the ground because I would know that I was in the center of his will. You see, she knew that protection and peace come from being under authority. 
A fourth blessing of being under authority is that it gives Christian women an opportunity to lead their lost husbands to Christ. I'd like for you to look once again at those first two verses in 1 Peter 3 with me. Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Peter uses the word likewise here because he's referring back to chapter 2 where servants have been told to be submissive to their masters. If you would, look back up with me in chapter 2 at verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. It's interesting to note that these words were written by Peter while he was in Rome under persecution, the persecution of Nero. And just as Christians were to respectfully submit to this ungodly emperor, Christian wives are to submit to their husbands even when they are harsh or unreasonable. Lost husbands have often been won to Christ through the respectful submission of a godly wife. A proper attitude is so important in your relationship with a lost husband or really any unsaved authority if you desire to see them come to Christ. A fifth blessing of biblical submission is that your marriage will truly be a reflection of Christ and his church. You know, everything works better if we follow the instructions of the Creator. God designed us as women to be submissive helpers to our husbands. And the way we respond to authority will influence every other area of our lives. It will affect our efficiency in the workplace, our role in the church, how single women relate to their parents, and the influence we have on our children, our grandchildren, and other women. The woman was created from the man and for the man. She was created to complement him. When a Christian man lovingly protects and leads his wife, and a Christian woman cheerfully submits to the leadership of her husband, you have a marriage that reflects the beautiful relationship of the Lord Jesus with his bride. And the last blessing I'd like to share with you is that when we submit to our husbands, the word of God is honored. It's not reviled or dishonored. As we've worked our way through Titus 2, 1 through 5, we've seen that we as older women are instructed the young, are to instruct the young women to teach them, disciple them, and train them to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet and chaste, homemakers, good or kind and obedient to their own husbands. And then we're told why this is such an important calling. The end of verse 5 says that the word of God may not be reviled. If we call ourselves Christians, but we don't live in obedience to the scriptures, then God's word is reviled, it's blasphemed, it's evil spoken of. One English version actually reads so that you will be a good advertisement for the Christian faith. If we're not subject to the authorities that the Lord has placed in our lives, then we're not accurately representing Christ to others. But when we live in submission to God by submitting to our husbands and other God-delegated authority, then his word is honored. People are watching the way we live, and it's very sobering to think that my behavior 
can influence someone to either honor or profane God's word. We live in a dark world, but the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. We saw the verse in Proverbs 31, verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. As we learned, rubies are not the most expensive of the gems, but they are one of the rarest. And a godly woman who loves her family is under the authority of her husband, looks well to the ways of her household, is discreet and pure in behavior, and tenderly cares for and serves those around her, is indeed a rare jewel. Dear sisters, you can be a great blessing to your family, your church, and those around you, or you can do significant damage to, to your family or your church or others. You can make the gospel believable, or you can cause people to turn away from hearing the truth. If you'll look in Titus 2 down at verse 10, we see another sobering verse. After giving instruction to the women, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to exhort the young men and the bond servants, and then he gives us another motivation for all these things. He writes that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. What an amazing thought that we, as weak and frail and sinful as we are, that we can beautify the gospel. And this is our supreme motivation in all we learn, all we teach, and all we do is the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given the incredible privilege to highlight the attractiveness of the gospel. So ladies, in our studies, we've seen that God's plan for men and women has been consistent from creation throughout the New Testament and into the New Testament. The Lord uniquely created the man and the woman to carry out their distinct roles. The man to protect, provide for, and lead his wife. And the woman to submit to the headship of her husband in a complementary but subordinate position. Then we saw that although the book of Proverbs was written several thousand years later, in an entirely different culture and setting, God's design for the sexes had not changed at all. From there, we fast forwarded another thousand years in time to the Greek island of Crete. Again, the book of Titus was written in an entirely different period of history, in a very different culture. But the Lord's master plan for men and women remained unchanged. And we can rest assured that God has not modified his intentions in order to be more accepted in the 21st century. So I trust as we choose to obey God, even though that often means living counterculturally, that he'll be pleased to grow every one of us in these areas and then use each of us to train and disciple those who are coming behind us. And as we walk in these truths and pass them along to the next generation, May our families be blessed, the gospel be adorned, the word of God be honored, and our Father in heaven be glorified.